It's time for Hawk Central. From the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO, Des Moines Sports Station. Bit of a change up here on Hawk Central. Your, uh, your clock isn't wrong. It's 545, and we're going to lead up to 645 tonight for Iowa Wild Hockey, taking off with Joe O'Donnell uh, around that time. So Chad Lysico and Mark Emmert have been nice enough to alter their schedules and join us a bit early. Chad, thank you very much. Of course. Mark, this is the second time I've had to uh, call an audible on you this week. Thanks so much for, uh, for picking up the slack on Monday, man. Anything for you, Ross. Yep. Filled in for Chuck Long. How'd that feel? That, was that a big moment for you? I, I felt great. You said it twice, and so I saved that uh, recording for my parents. <laughs> uh, they will enjoy that immensely, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, because it's never going to happen again. We, I want to talk to you guys a lot about the Illinois game, a lot about recruiting. Uh, we've got previewing Nebraska. There's basketball. We have so much stuff to unpack in the next hour. Um, but I promised I would lead with this, and it's it, this is another audible that you two didn't know about. Right before we went off the air, Travis was asking me about how many Nebraska fans will be in attendance on Saturday. And I told, that, I told him that I would ask both of you that question to kind of lead things off. So before we even preview the Nebraska game, Mark, uh, percentage, uh, 15% of the stadium going to be red on Saturday or on Friday? Uh, I'll say uh, 12. Okay, I'll okay. 12. I like it, under 15. Chad, would you say under 15? I am not going against Mark's predictions this year. Good point. <laughs> Twelve it is. Good point. <laughs> Can't oh, wait to hear what he man. says about the game. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about Illinois, kind of recap what we saw there. Um, a, a shutout in the Big Ten on the road is not something that happens very often. Last time it happened was the 55 to nothing drubbing of Minnesota, I think at the end of 2009. Eight. 2008. Yep. 2009 they, up, they shut out Minnesota at home, 12 right. to nothing. Yep. And then it was uh, Ball State in 2010. Doesn't count. The ex- thank you for saying that. So we'll talk about that game. But the the news that Hawkeye fans are talking about today, Chad, I'm sure that uh, I've seen you involved in a few different Twitter conversations <laughs> regarding this, is the – I don't even know how do we phrase this. Is it the recruiting story? The it's a recruiting com- crisis of 2016. Commitment no, crisis? Kidding. No, it's – yeah, four D commits uh, in the last month, all from Texas. So I'm sure all the listeners already know that, but yeah. uh, it kind of reached a, a peak yesterday. I would say, right before uh, Kirk Ferentz went on, actually, and uh, with Gavin Holmes kind of, uh, would you say, lashing out at or uh, criticizing um, the no visit policy for uh, existing commitments, and so. That's what sort of created the firestorm, and then, uh, of course, uh, you know, questions of the hypocrisy, perceived hypocrisy, comes up when you know when Iowa will host athletes committed to other schools. Now, let's make sure we've got the some of the details right here before we get some opinions. And I know we've got Hawkeye fans that are listening that are opinionated. Two eight four five nine six six. If you'd like to 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 share with us how you feel about this, but Chad. Um, Eno Benjamin is the guy that this kind of all started with. He was a young man that uh, committed to the Iowa Hawkeyes. He was very vocal on Twitter about his uh, uh, that about that commitment. He was bringing some other kids on board that seemed to um, be signing on because of Eno's influence. These are the some some of the same kids that now are decommitting, and I think that it's fair to say Eno's had some some influence in that. Now this goes back to Ference's policy. That once you have a commitment from a young man, he doesn't want that young man going on um, on official visits. Or unofficial, yeah. Or, and, Any kind of visit. 
And am I right in saying that Eno was maybe not upfront about his intentions of doing some of these, or is this is this where we get into the gray area? Uh, really, everything in recruiting is uh, nothing is black and white. Yeah. And I think I, th- I think Kirk Ferentz does want things to be black and white, or as black and white as they can be. And so I think you always have to be really careful when you talk about recruiting not to. I mean, I think there's probably more to Eno Benjamin's side of the story. There's mm-hmm. probably more to Iowa's side of the story than anybody will ever know. Um, you know, or it, you know, you can believe what you want to believe coming from all fronts. Um, the unfortunate thing is, I mean, for us, is like the the current coaches can't talk about it right. prospects until they're signed. So um, it's hard to get full stories, and they're not going to badmouth um, high school kids generally. Yeah. So um, anyway, there's. I just would say be careful not to pin all of this on Eno one way or another. I mean, there's always more to the story. Mark, is there anything we're missing here in just the foundation of the story? No, I think you covered it pretty well. Uh, that's I think the, the next place to take this is uh, so we found out yesterday that Gavin Holmes was uh, decommitting. He was the fourth. And then today I woke up to find an unsuspected person weighing in on this in the form of Darrell Johnson Koulianos, DJK fired off a great note on social media. And this takes a minute or two, but I'm just going to read this. It touches on both sides of this issue and gives a, a pretty good perspective here from DJK. Here we go. Contrary to popular belief, I want to see the University of Iowa field the best possible outfit each and every year. To see all the potentially programming-changing recruits decommit from the U of I is disheartening and I feel somewhat responsible. Allow me to explain. As I watched the Eno situation unfold, I realized that maybe he was not the right fit for this program, much like I wasn't. This does not at all mean he's a bad person. Eno is clearly an exceptional athlete with a lot of flair, potential, and personality. He single-handed reeled, single-handed, single-handedly. It should be. Yeah, I should put the SP on there. Single-handedly reeled in big-time recruits, all the while bringing far too much attention to himself. Eno, much like myself, probably had no prior knowledge of Kirk Ferentz and the type of people he likes in his program. Eno was was unaware that his social media antics were grinding Kirk's gears before ever stepping onto campus. The captain prefers blue-collared guys who say little and work hard. He often said to me, quote, the less you say, the less you have to take back. Absolutely nothing wrong with seeking a particular type of player for your prospective program. But Eno didn't appear to fit that mold. The, specu- uh, the spectacle he was making reminded Kirk of, guess who, yours truly. Coach Ferentz hated the DJK persona from the very beginning. He made sure to never once refer to me as DJK, only Darrell. The relationship was strained from the very beginning. As my legend grew, our relationship distanced. As time went on, I became the villain and unconsciously embraced it. I stayed on the field because I was productive. I'm embarrassed to admit I was a handful when I was 19, much, much less mature than most guys my age. Why? I can't answer that. My parents set the best possible example. Of course, we all know how the story ends. I proved to be exactly what Ferentz thought I was, a cancer to the program. Eno may have had a great career at Iowa and never gave the Iowa coaches any grief, but him bringing attention to himself the way he did, combined with being dishonest about his visits after committing to Iowa, served as a major red flag and valid reason to pull his scholarship. Perhaps this was the best thing for both Eno and Iowa. Former teammates often told me that I was not a bad guy or teammate, just that I went to the wrong school for my personality. Maybe this is a case where Eno will end up at the right school. I wish the best for both sides. Wow. There's a lot in there, isn't there? 
<laughs> measured from DJK. I yeah. didn't expect that. Yeah, so, I mean, he's he's really obviously matured a lot and uh, reflected on the, the situation. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it, it really helped, I think, at least for me, to see a little bit more of the player side of things yeah. and also the coach's side of things from somebody who's been within the program and, and uh, kind of had that similar uh, personality, I guess, of, of what Eno you know, Benjamin had. You covered DJK, right? Uh, Mark did, and I've, okay. yeah, I've, I've certainly followed him. But Did yeah. uh, anything else that he's weighed in on this? I mean, is there, is there anything else that, uh, that you guys have heard from DJK that we're missing from that note? Not really. He, uh, I did uh, message him today, and uh, and he messaged me back a few times, and, and mentioned, he mentioned um, just felt like this was the right time to say these things. Mm-hmm. Thought uh, when you know, so I think that, uh, and I think it is the. I think it was perfectly said. Um, I give him a lot of credit, and I think I think it's it's really cool that he supports the program and owns up to maybe some of his past mistakes. Yeah, very and, cool. Uh, and uh, I mean, to, for him to say that I was a cancer to the program. Yeah. Those that's, are strong that's, words. That's really. I mean, that's that's a uh, that's a very mature guy right there. So, yeah. um, uh, identifying his own immaturity. Now, of course, this is what you know. The coaches they're dealing with eighteen to twenty two year olds. Right. You know, so not everyone's going to be you know adult level maturity when they arrive at Iowa. But I, but I think that's one of the standards. I would hope, Mark, that most Hawkeye fans took away from that um, a, a more balanced response to why coach Ferentz does what he does because to me the part that hit home with that the most is the type of player that coach Ferentz wants in his program and right. when and first of all we all understand that for the majority of that of that roster you're going to have to build those blue collar guys and even adding one or two of those dynamic quote superstar personalities could really upset that apple cart yeah I mean that's uh, that's actually right, and that's what uh, that's what DJ Kerr was. We all remember how mercurial he was uh, in his career. I mean, he made some great plays. He was a fantastic athlete, and then he would just do some really stupid things and yeah. got into some legal trouble, and was in the doghouse for like probably his last two years. Um, the policy in general, uh, Chad. We talked about this, I think, last week or a couple weeks ago, when we just touched on this situation when it started to unravel. You don't see any change in this policy. Do you think they readdress this? He said they will um, look at it, but they look at everything in the off season. I mean, yeah. I think that's uh, that's kind of a standard answer for him. It doesn't mean they won't. Um, I think there's certainly some influence from his son. I wouldn't be surprised if there's, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually is addressed. I'm sure it will be. Um, but I think uh, I'd be surprised if anything major were to change. And I think it is important to note that. It's a policy, not a rule, right, Mark? That he's mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, they do. They want open lines of communication. Um, so I think you know, taking visits kind of secretly is, is certainly a huge red flag of trust. Um, but I think if I do, th- I do believe that if a guy was completely open, said, "Hey, coach, I want to go see." You know, I want to go to Arizona Stanford, State yeah, just to make right. sure. <laughs> Are you okay? Just give me this. You know, I'm, I want to be. Com- I'm committed to you. Give me this one thing. I'll get back to you at the end of the week, and we'll touch base. I think that they. Uh, he made a reference yesterday. Ferentz did to um, trust in the bank. I think if a guy is upfront and honest like that yeah. with him, I think he gives. A, I think he's honest and that professional and fair. That's one of the uh, the big words you hear about Kirk Ferentz. Fair. I think he would 
I think he would allow that type of thing. I think he has allowed that type of thing. We could do this for hours tonight. I know it. And we, but we're going to run out of time. Yeah. You wrote an article about this, the hypocrisy of this. or Is it hypocritical is maybe the question I should ask you. Well, I'd be curious what you guys' thoughts were. My stance is it's not because is, from Ference's perspective – if you're not, if you're looking around, you're not committed. I think that's the easiest way to put it. So if another guy's looking around and he's looking at Iowa, you're not committed. If an Iowa guy's looking around, you're not committed. I think commitment means something totally different to people that follow recruiting versus uh, what it actually means. You know, like a commitment is supposed to be. Yeah, you're in, all in. You right? know, and uh, there's a lot of details that have to be ironed out here, and there's a lot of seemed like gray area. But on the surface, if the black and white rule is once you're committed to me, don't talk to any other schools, don't go visit any other schools, but we will talk to kids that are committed to other schools. That does seem a little bit hypocritical to me, but I, I run that through the filter of there's a lot of gray area and a lot of stuff that we don't know about each individual situation. Uh, Mark, I know we've kind of talked about this before also. You, you feel like that's a, a hypocritical policy? Yeah, I mean, it sure seems like it on the surface. And yeah. I think it's what's really interesting here is how this plays locally versus nationally. I mean, uh, Iowa's really taking a beating nationally for this policy and, and for the yeah. appearance of hypocrisy, where I think a lot of people here are willing to kind of listen to it and, and uh, you know, accept it a little bit more. Now, this is just another card in my deck of pleading with people to not pay so much attention to recruiting. Amen. I just. <laughs> The amount of time and ink and energy that's been wasted on a young man that's never going to wear the Hawkeye colors. Four kids now that are never going to end your hopes and dreams getting raised and crushed by these kids that are never going to be on campus. It's uh, weird. Hawk Central continues next. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Welcome to the 6 o'clock hour here. Uh, we're already into Hawk Central on a Wednesday at 6 o'clock. About 15 minutes in the books already there. A lot of conversation about the uh, recruiting policies, what's happened with this recruiting class over the last couple of weeks, um, and a, a, a Tony-winning, worthy performance of me reading uh, DJK's <laughs> tweets or notes that were put on Twitter. I mean, just fantastic, impassioned plea. Um, but it's some things we should wrap up from that. Chad Lystico and Mark Emmert are joining us from the Des Moines Register, as they do each and every week. Chad, the effect that these four kids uh, leaving has had on this class, which was looking like one of the, the better-ranked Ferentz classes in a long time, if ever. Yeah, it was on par, on track to be about the second best in the Ference era. Um, now it's it's down to 51st nationally, but all, that's also because the numbers have gone down and a lot of others have gone up. So mm-hmm. um, there's still two months plus till signing day. So uh, they'll, you know, they're not sitting back just waiting for guys to walk through the door. I think they've got a plan. And, and don't forget, there's a lot of walk-ons that are going to need scholarships next year. I know that that's kind of uh, – those just sort of get absorbed here and there. But, I mean, you look at all the walk-ons that are contributing this year. I mean, those those guys probably deserve a spot too. And Matt Vandenberg's going to have a scholarship next year. Um, I saw Iowa offered a four-star, three, four-star, depending where you look, uh, receiver today, a Missouri commitment. So that'll just oh, that'll just fan the flames. The, the irony. <laughs> now, wait a minute. <laughs> a teammate of a current uh, – a current recruit, Dijmon Colbert, uh, current commitment has a has a we got wide receiver teammate that's uh, that's now got an Iowa offer. And we've talked on our Friday show with your colleagues, um, John Naughton, Chris Cuellar, Cody Goodwin, 
Oliver Martin has been brought up probably more than we've talked about any kid outside of the Metro in the last three years. Uh, was, it was was he there Saturday? Is he coming this Saturday? What was the? He wouldn't have been there Saturday, obviously. What what's the story with Oliver Martin? Well, he's uh, he's back on an unofficial visit again this weekend. Okay, this among, weekend, uh, fifty right. plus recruits. So he's probably the the centerpiece guy that they they'd love to land this weekend. Okay. Anything else we need to uh, to wrap up with the recruiting conversation, Mark? Do you feel like we got a bow on that? I think we do. Okay. All right. Let's go back. Uh, <laughs> let's dive into what's happening on the field and actually with the guys that are wearing the uniforms. Uh, we'll start with football and what happened last week, a dominating performance against Illinois. Um, defensively, Mark, that was one of the best performances I've seen from the Hawkeyes in, right. in many years. And I know you're playing Illinois. All things have to be taken into uh, uh, into context there. But that was an inspired look from a defense that we haven't seen play like that in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's still a Big Ten team on the road, so um, I think they get a lot of credit for what they did. Uh, Illinois just never had a chance, and I never felt like that game was ever a possibility that Iowa would lose, even when they struggled offensively at first. I kept thinking, somebody will score a touchdown, and that's all they're going to need. I don't think Illinois never got past their 30. Right. Uh, and, that's uh, and, stunning. And then, of course, they never kicked off. We've all talked about that, which I've never seen before. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, you're right, a very thorough performance by the defense. Yeah, that was one of those that took me a minute, Chad, when we started to look at the stat line as we were preparing for sound off. Yeah. And I I, I usually write down to like a play-by-play on my notebook, and I had to flip back to, wait a minute, the Hawks didn't start the f- game with the ball. The Hawks <laughs> didn't start the second half with the ball. What the, what the hell happened here? They never kicked off. They never had a kick return. Yeah, that's uh, it's an unorthodox philosophy, but uh, that wind, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just walking from the car to the stadium, uh, it was definitely present and uh, a factor, and uh, the uh, the head coach decided uh, that he'd rather have the wind to start both halves, and uh, I can't blame him. I, no. Uh, it, it didn't pan out in the first quarter like yeah. he had hoped, but it did, it definitely did in the third quarter, because the the field was tilted uh for about the neck for about the first 22 well actually all 30 minutes of the second half but um Iowa was up 21 nothing um early in the fourth quarter to kind of kind of put that one away uh and didn't throw the ball hardly at all only had a handful of completions for CJ ended the game i think with just 80 passing yards but uh you had a couple of things contributing to this right Chad and i know Mark we talked about this on monday you had that strong wind you're talking about you had an early lead and you had running backs that were were running downhill all day. You know, the running game, um, I've kind of said this all along, and uh, I think it's going to be true again this week, is is these guys, this, this offensive line is, is is just better at run blocking than pass blocking. And so it just yeah. kind of makes sense. You've seen it the last two weeks. They're pushing guys downhill, five, seven yards down downfield with shoving them. Yeah, and I thought they did a great job against Michigan. Um, I mean, really, they controlled the line of scrimmage against Michigan. Yeah. Who would have thought that? was going to happen um and this is again with another guy injured ike botker was out so levi paulson got to talk to him for the first time that was (laughs) that was entertaining and his beard yeah he's got yeah he's got a unique look he's i i envision him as a tackle someday he's just so big and he's he's raw and he's just a really good blocker i envision Um, him as a recluse That's good, Mark. Uh, what uh, we don't need to maybe go into as much as we did with the Iowa Michigan game, but um, one or two plays that maybe jump out at you with this. Obviously, the Riley McCarron um, yep. punt return is is huge. The punting game all day was a 
huge factor in this game. Cluzy was able to just flip the field. When we had uh, Chuck Long on on Monday before we brought Mark in to, to really bring bring it home, <laughs> Chuck <laughs> talked about that and having uh, it, how, what what a great punt or punt game can do to you. So if I had to pick one play, it's Riley McCarron kind of breaking that game open with that punt return. Mark, if you had to pick one or two plays from that, which are the ones that you'd focus on? Well, I, I, I was – you know, LaShawn Daniels' big touchdown on the 50-yarder because he's had a couple called back. So, it, I mean, it was good for him to actually get one in the end zone uh, for a change, and he, he had a really good game. To me, the, one of the most interesting things was, was what we just talked about, the decision on the coin toss to take the wind instead of the ball. Um, it just kind of showed that, uh, you know, obviously he's got a lot of faith in that defense because he's put him out there. He's basically giving Illinois an extra possession yeah. and saying, we don't care, you're not going to score anyway, so we'll just oh. take the wind. And uh, I thought that was a really a, a pretty a subtle message to send to his team right at that moment. Yeah, I I, uh, I could pick a lot of different things here too. I'll try to find something different. Uh, there was a play. It was zero zero second quarter. Uh, it was third and two, I believe, uh, and it was right after Bethard threw the interception off McCarron's hand. So Illinois had the ball in Iowa territory and the wind inside Iowa's forty, and uh, Josie Jewell knifed in and, and tackled the running back for a yeah. one yard loss. Yeah, I thought Levy Smith should have gone for it. You know, yeah. At that point, I said that to Mark at the time. It was like fourth and two and a half, and uh, he punted. <laughs> punt goes into the end zone, so Iowa gets the ball back at the 20, and I felt like the game was never the same after that. So I ended up writing postgame about Josie Jewell, and, and I thought he was just unbelievable on Saturday. Was it Rugumba that recovered the fumble? Later the, at, in the mm-hmm. second yeah. in the second half to start the second half and forced it yeah, yeah. forced yep. it and recovered it. What a game! Yep. What a couple of weeks for Manny Rugamba. <laughs> he's he's going to be good. No, it's going to be fun. Talk to him. Yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> won't, in won't, August. Won't be long, Mark. <laughs> won't won't be long at all, my friend. Okay, um, you got a press conference yesterday. A few injured players and some interesting topics that came out of that. What are uh, first of all? Let's talk about some guys that are going to be back. Josie Jewell, Matt Vandenberg. Um, News on both of those guys, I guess, right? Yeah, I, I didn't think the Josie Jewell thing was news. I'll be honest. Sean came in um, on Monday and said, hey, Ross, did you see this uh, news just broke? Josie Jewell's coming back. And I thought, Man, that's not news. I was expecting him to come back. Really? Yeah, Boy, really a lot was. of Hawk fans I talked to thought he was gone. Really? Yeah. Okay. But he's not. He's coming back. That's the good news. Yeah, he's uh, of course, he's a Butkus finalist. That's a big deal. I mean, he's the only linebacker in the Big Ten to get mentioned for that. I mean, uh, I, I kind of thought he might go. To be honest, I mean, a fourth-year junior, and I don't see, you know, he's not going to probably get a ton faster. He's probably not going to. I mean, he's he is who he is, and I, you know, I think there's a certain wear and tear that that uh, linebacker endures. Yeah, that's a good and we point. saw that with Pat yeah. Anger. Um, his career in the NFL didn't last as long as he had probably hoped. And uh, uh, but anyway, that's great news for the Hawkeyes. I mean. T- uh, Jewel's been their best defensive player this year. I mean, I would say that more than King. Mark, you agree with that? Uh, you know, I can't go along with that. No, I still, I'd still give it to King. But uh, I, he is a really good player, and he and he would get drafted in the NFL, and and will probably have a long career there. So I, I think that is newsworthy that he is coming back or says he's going to come back because uh, he could go for sure. Well, see, Sean, you got one on me there. Sean was, yeah. uh, Sean was all excited about that. I thought that was. Um, going to be a given. Who are and before we go on to to Vandenberg and the news with him? What's uh, what's the story with injured players this week? Uh, you want to go, Mark? Uh, Hawkeyes. Yeah. We talk, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, Maven we know is out. Right. He was on crutches uh, yesterday. Yep. And uh, Crossen 
out again. Now uh, we saw we saw Buckter out about around town a little bit. Chad and I ran into him at lunch, and uh, I didn't notice any limp. So uh, I guess he's a possibility. Kittle is going to play. How well and how long we don't know. Um, those are the big ones, right, Chad? Yeah, that's. I think that's the majority of it. Uh, Miles Taylor should be back. That would be the only other okay. thing to mention. Anthony um, Garrett played great in his uh, in, in his absence. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so you've got Rugumba, who's played fantastic in Greg Maben's place. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, Paulson, who has played well. When he's- yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do there. If Botker is healthy enough to go, or if they like enough what Paulson did last week that they stick with him. And Mark, the one thing that uh, I have guessed on that I guess I've, I've maybe been right on this year, the one thing that's been a positive from not having George Kittle is Noah Fant continues to show that he can be a part of this offense and and, and make a difference. Yeah, that was his best game. I mean, no I doubt. Think- He's almost, uh, I brought up this on Monday, I think he's almost more like a wide receiver than a tight end mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, this is the way they use him, mm-hmm. uh, which is smart. Uh, they, you know, they get him out there in the slot or out wide, and uh, they get him the ball with a little bit of space. And uh, he had, what, three catches for 25 yards. That 10-yarder he had was a big one, a big play at that time. So yeah, um, it was. that bodes well. Seems like we have a long time before we're talking about 2017, Chad. But we have two football <laughs> games, and there's – there's eight quarters of Hawkeye football before we're talking about yeah. 2017. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that right now because we, Josie Jewell going to be back, and now we have uh, some news about uh, a nice target, Matt Vandenberg. Well, he, he you know, he's pretty confident he's going to get the medical red shirt, and there's really no reason that he wouldn't. He fits all the rules. I mean, there's it should be a rubber stamp type of thing, and he wants to come back, and that's the biggest thing. Um, so... Uh, it was nice that we got to talk to him yesterday. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was that was cool. He had a really upbeat attitude. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing he mentioned was he, after the thing happened, um, he went home and, and uh, really vented with his fiance, who we saw him propose to um, after the Iowa State game. And but he did he did that because he didn't want to do that around the guys. You know, he was really upset. And then, um, you know, after that, he just tried to find the positive in it and. Um, he was very thankful he got hurt after week four and not week five because that's the <laughs> cutoff. Good perspective that's, to have. Yep, I mean, you gotta, yep. And, I mean, if you look at it, basically on, you know, yesterday when the world was melting down with 2017 recruits, you know, walking away. I mean, I was got two guys standing there in the atrium at the Iowa Performance Center that uh, – will be back in 2017. A lot of people didn't think would be Josie Jewell and Matt Vandenberg, and they were captains to start the year. So, I mean, that's a really good, solid base to start on. All five offensive linemen come back next year. Akam Wadley comes back next year. All your linebackers are back. The defensive end should be a year older. Defensive tackle will probably be the biggest glaring hole. But I like Iowa's depth in the defensive backfield, though, even even after King. What do you think, Mark? Mark, who would have guessed that two yeah. weeks ago we'd be talking about optimism brewing for 2017? Yeah, I can't believe you are right now, actually. What, are you trying to jinx things for you guys or what? I hadn't even thought about that, Mark. Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's move on and we'll talk about no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I do like this, that you know, two weeks ago we were having this conversation about, um, and even the way we started the show tonight, recruiting, what's happening, things are falling apart, this team didn't live up to expectations that some idiots like me had for this uh, Iowa football team, and now here we are two weeks later. You've beat Michigan. You, you've rolled through Illinois, got your first Big Ten shutout in, uh, in seven years, and you're a win away from Nebraska against uh, having a conversation about being in a pretty good bowl game. Yeah, it's huge. You bring, that's, that's, find out you're bringing back, find out you're bringing back Josie Jewell. Find out you're bringing back Matt Vandenberg. 
there's still a lot of holes here, Chad, but that's uh, I think that's nice, man. In two weeks, they've found some optimism. I think so. I mean, the, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the Michigan game, to me, changed the perspective yep. of a lot of people. And so um, if Iowa can play defense like it, like it has the last two yeah. weeks. I mean, that's, that's the key. That's uh, it's it's a pretty successful formula if they can play defense like that. I think one we got some news today that uh, I think helps this Iowa defense, and that re in, is in regards to the quarterback situation at Nebraska. Tommy Armstrong will play on Saturday, mm-hmm. but that hamstring injury is not going to have him at a hundred percent. Nebraska, uh, some indications today that they kind of plan on using him more as a pocket passer. And Mark, that's. That's good news for the the Hawkeyes to know yeah. that Tommy Armstrong won't be as mobile as he could be. Yeah, I mean, only if you believe it. Do you? I believe it. I think hamstrings are. It, it's really tough to find yourself at a hundred percent after missing the previous week, even a couple of weeks off, you know, thirteen days off. That's an injury that can that can flare up again right away. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't believe it, huh? You think I'm, Tommy's going to be fine? I'm not quite buying it. No, I don't. I think they're being really open about that. If that's the case over there, and which would surprise me, so I, I expect him to play well. And uh, Kirk Ferentz said we're preparing for the starter full throttle. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I I just think uh, I don't know why they would talk about it so openly if he actually is that, that limited. Man, Mark, why do you always do this to me? You just start. I'm just, I'm just do you want Iowa to man. prepare for? Start to get these rays or something. People tell me on sound off that I'm too negative. And here I am. Just being real. He's bringing the truth, man. I try, I try to tell people it's just the truth. Accept it. Care if he plays or not. It's just hard. It's just hard to hear sometimes. Senior yeah. day, last home game for uh, for Desmond King. Mark, I know you wrote a story oh, on Des. Yeah, he's uh, he is really something. I I mean, uh, great player. Um, really good interview. Really honest kid. Um, just talked about how much it meant to him to come back for his senior year. I mean, there's a guy you talked about, Jewel. I mean, Desmond King would be playing on Sundays right now and be playing well. He'd be starting somewhere. I mean, he's a first-round pick. Uh, there was really no reason for him to come back except that it just meant too much to him. I mean, he wanted a degree. His mom wanted him to get a degree. He's going to be the first one in his family to do that. He said that that means more to him than actually the football part of it. But he also he just really liked the camaraderie in that locker room and, and the big celebrations they had after the big games. And you could see that in that Michigan game, just how different he was wired that game. I mean, I'd never seen him play quite like that. At times, to his detriment, he was out of control a little bit. Uh, uh, they, they caught him on camera with the uh, the double eagle there uh, to the sideline and and all that. But uh, just a great player, um, and uh, you know he's going to be missed. He should get a really really big ovation on Friday because I I don't think he I've seen anybody quite like him in my years covering the Hawkeyes in terms of just the the talent that he has and the, just the competitor that he is. Yeah, that'll be fun on uh, on Friday to hear that roar for Des and I, I. Every Hawkeye fan I think is appreciative of his decision to come yeah. back to Chad. Who gets a bigger ovation, Bethard or King? I th- yeah, that's Think it's going to be King. I do too. Only because, uh, only because Hawkeye fans, a lot of them think that CJ maybe hasn't lived up to expectations. We got the text again today, or it was an email, something this week, wanting us to break down again. The recession that happens, yeah, um, from yeah. for senior years for quarterbacks under the Ferentz era, and we've we've talked about this in the past. We can we'll get into it again sometime, I'm sure, but it's more of a, uh, I think it's a perception more than anything. But I that's why that being said, I think that's why King gets the bigger ovation. Yeah, I mean he came back like Mark said for his senior year, he chose to come back. Yeah. I think that that's worthy of a little extra applause. I yeah, would right. say I would go King. Then Bethard, and then uh, I don't know after that. Jaleel, yeah, maybe that could be. Yeah, cause he, and the, and for the opposite reasons of 
Beathard because he's had such a great impact these last couple of weeks. What about people are going to uh, realize how bad we're going to miss him when his name's announced? I hope the fans cheer Greg Maben. I mean, what I a tough too. break yeah, for that kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they all deserve that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have a list of guys that don't deserve it. If we want to get, <laughs> I know, right? yeah, I know. God, senior days are so emotional. I, I choke up a little bit at those senior days. That's, those things are really cool. Uh, and that's funny you say that, Mark, because you've only been covering this team for a couple of years. I, I've noticed this when you're with a team over a long period of time and you kind of see these kids mature and grow from being walk-ons or red shirts and, and just in a blink of an eye for as an adult. Four years later, you see this kid being a, uh, a clubhouse um, veteran and everybody's looking up to him. He's the role model it's amazing to see this uh, that transformation. It does get a little emotional. It's kind of funny. Yep. Uh, when we get back, we'll uh, we'll hope to recapture the magic from two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we were talking about the Hawkeyes playing against the best defense in the nation, and the Hawkeyes came away with a win. That was in football, but the same scenario applies in basketball when the Hawks tip off with Virginia. We'll preview that. More of the, uh, what's our tournament down in Destin called here? The um, Emerald, Coast, Emerald Classic. Coast Classic up next on Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. It's Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and 1460 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Mark Emmert and Chad Lysico from the Des Moines Register helping us uh, through the home stretch here. We'll go to 645. We'll throw things to Joe O'Donnell and Iowa Wild Hockey. A lot of football talk so far in the program. But uh, basketball is, man, full-court press right now on basketball. Um, Hawkeyes have a chance to really find out where they are here um, on Saturday. It's going to be, or I'm, I'm sorry, on Friday night, 6 o'clock, perfect time for a tip-off for the Hawkeyes because the game, the football game with Nebraska, will have just um, came to an end. So we can flip on CBS Sports Network and watch the Hawkeyes take on Virginia. Mark, I know you've had a chance to look at this matchup. I think that uh, obviously a very tough matchup for this Hawkeye team, but we're this is a perfect. I, I really think this is a great matchup early on in the season because this team is really going to press the Hawkeyes in some of their weaknesses right now. Absolutely, that that, yeah. your, that defense, that pack line defense, is going to make this young offense be patient, try to figure out. Um, proper ways to score, and on defense, where the Hawkeyes lacked so much in these first four games, seeing to kind of break down with their perimeter defense and not have much pressure in the paint, uh, those are things that are strengths of this Virginia offense. Yeah, I mean, they're shooting 60, uh, a little over 60% from two. Um, so they, they uh, that's what they score. That's what they like to do, and Iowa's been susceptible in there. So um, I think it's a huge challenge. I mean, I, I can't think of a bigger contrast in styles that Iowa could face right now. Uh, than Virginia because they just love to slow everything down. They like to play in the 50s. They're leading the nation in defense. They're holding teams to like 38 points a game. No, you mean half. Uh, I mean game. No, sorry. No, come on now. You you, you don't hold a college basketball team. Oh, that's a point a minute. I was averaging 96 on offense. The, now, again, say this again. The Virginia, pretty, um, the Virginia yeah, Cavaliers are holding their opponents to 38 points a game? Yes. They just had a nine-point half uh I think it was yesterday, and I was Grambling State. I'm not saying they're playing the best competition yet, but neither is Iowa. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's Bennett ball, buddy. That is Bennett ball. Uh, it'll be Chad. It'll either be was it Memphis or Providence? Yeah, that, uh, that yeah. the Hawks will face next. And is this one? Of the, are they guaranteed three games? I think they're just guaranteed nope, the two. Just right? Two. There's just okay. two games in this. And, okay. Uh, I think if they, I don't know. I would say if they can come out of this with one win, it would 
be yeah. semi-positive uh, yeah. development. I agree. Yep. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if you lose and to Virginia and, and, get hurt. and beat Providence, right? Now that's a, a good part yeah. of this. Or even Memphis, so Tubby, Tubby's first year down there, Tubby Smith. So I think. Yeah, the Saturday game looks uh, maybe winnable. I, I, boy, Friday just looks scary to me yeah. if you're a Hawkeye fan. So with those things, Mark, what what would you tell Hawkeye fans to really look for? Um, yeah. Is it rotation? Is it uh, playing time for certain guys? What What do you – I think, first of all, it's defense and intensity on defense. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, can they find a third option behind uh, Jock and Cook? Because there are so many times when everybody seems to want to defer to those two guys. And, you know – even like guys like Ewell and Bear, they'll pass up decent shots, and they're going to need a third option somewhere. So maybe yeah. this is a chance to find you know a good a good third guy to to help with the scoring load. What does a step forward look like, Chad? If we're talking on Saturday and uh, and I'm happy with the way the Hawkeyes played Virginia, what what did we see? I, I hate to echo what Mark just said because it's not original, but I, I think they do need to find that s- some some other guys that can score. I mean, it's yeah. kind of, it's it's somewhat ridiculous that they. Don't, I thought it would be a more balanced deep team behind Jock, but it's they really Kemsel for a little while. Then he, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Bears probably a good option yeah, there. He should be. Ewell should be. Should, yeah, right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to ask the point guards to score a ton. I just don't think no. that they will. But uh, no. I, yeah, Pemsel Bear. Um, Yule and maybe even Bohannon a little bit. I mean, he's he should be a more of a scorer. But anyway, that's it's early. Um, what's interesting is Jock is averaging twenty four point three points a game, and yeah. Virginia allows thirty eight. So yeah. this will be it'll be interesting to see how much Jock can score against Virginia. Maybe he can score thirty eight. Yeah, I think he'll get some points. I think he's he is really good. We know that, and they and that that defense does allow three point attempts. Um, so if he's if he's on, he can he can hit a few. But then can they score inside at all? That'll be the bigger question. And what was the news I saw with uh, Dale Jones, Chad? Uh, is is he hurt and out? What's the story? Yeah, with poor Dale? guy. He's uh, he got he went, played two minutes, right, Mark? Yeah. In that Seton Hall game and broke his wrist. So yeah, it's a broken wrist. Saw. Even on, even on, when you look at a replay, you can't figure out how exactly it happened. Yeah. So two minutes, and he's a fifth-year junior with who's already gotten two red shirts. And, yeah, uh, for oh. two knee surgeries, I mean the guy can't catch a break. That's that, really bad. They're hoping he'll be back and make a contribution toward the end of the year. So that's uh, they're going basically without him for a while. Let's get back to football. Your uh, colleague Chris Quayar, guy that I love chatting with on Fridays when we do High School Insider. Um, I think he's a fantastic writer, and he, he put that on display again with a, a piece he wrote about Steve Ferentz, the youngest <laughs> of the Ferentz boys, and his. Uh, what this Nebraska rivalry means to him. I, I just thought this quote in the beginning of his article was fantastic. This is a quote from Steve Ferentz to Chris Quayer. I was five years old when Nebraska came to play Iowa in 1999. It was my dad's first game. I can still remember being inside Kinnick and crying because the score was a lot to a little. <laughs> and I was crying thinking, oh, no, dad's going to get fired. <laughs> what a great quote. That was 17 years ago. Uh, and Steve Ferentz will uh, will be seeing the field on uh, on Friday against Nebraska for the for the last time as a player. Mark. Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, obviously uh, Kirk was asked about that quite a bit uh, at his press conference Tuesday, and I, I I could swear that he was he was getting a little teary just talking to us. I, what did you think, Chad? He looked a little oh, emotional yeah. just talking about it. Yeah, he's. I think there's no doubt he's going to cry at midfield yeah. on yeah. Uh, on Friday. Yeah, that's that's the, the, the youngest uh, youngest yeah. boy, so. Yeah, and Steve said, uh, "I bet there's a prop bet out out there about whether I'll have waterworks or not." So. <laughs> yeah. Both his brothers did. Both his brothers, Brian and James, did cry. Um, so but that, Coach didn't. 
Oh, Coach does. Yeah. Coach, oh, yeah, Coach sure. did it though. That's for a story for okay. that, apparently. It's, yeah, a, lock. It it's a lock of the week from Chad Leistico. I love it. <laughs> but Steve is the question mark. We'll have to see about that. Uh, yeah, I thought that was anyway. a pretty good, uh, pretty good Neat piece. Kid. He's a walk-on, different than the other guys. Never yeah. really plays. But the last kid, that's that's yeah. going to mean more, I think. Okay. All right, okay. let's let's talk about what the Hawkeyes have to do to uh, secure a victory on Friday. Uh, weird game. You're obviously coming in on short notice. Just played on the road on Saturday. And now you're going to be kicking off at 2.30 on a Friday. Um, this is not something that the, the seniors are unfamiliar with. They've been through this the last couple of years. But what has to happen on, Saturday, on Friday for the Hawks to get a victory, Mark? Yeah, I, I wrote about this a little bit for Friday's story. Um, you, know, you look at the last two home games they played, both against really good ranked teams, Wisconsin and Michigan. And uh, obviously you know how the result was. But they, held, they held Wisconsin to 17 points but gave them 420 yards. In six plays of 20 or more, and that's what changed against Michigan. Michigan was like half that many yards and only one play of 20 or more. So, to me, this game kind of shapes up as being somewhere in between those two. It's got to be more toward Michigan and that defensive effort than it was against Wisconsin. And I think uh, they really need to limit any big plays, and the defense needs to carry this team home, I think, uh, at this point. So I think the defense may even have to come up with a score somewhere. Um, you know, Nebraska's a pretty good team, and uh, I think it's going to take their best effort, another Michigan-like effort, to beat these guys. Uh, boy, puts a puts a couple of qualifiers in there, man. Needing that defensive score, that's something that we safety. talked about. Yeah, safety. Um, Riley McCarron punt return, Des sure. King punt return, oh. Manny Ragumba pick six. I can see a lot of things that uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that could turn into that. Chad, all at once? I mean, all at, all in the same game? Yeah, uh, all the, the first, then. all in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> first three possessions. Right, exactly. Why not put this? Put an exclamation mark on this thing. Yeah, exclamation right. point? Question mark? Question point? Yeah, I, uh, offensively, I think this is where Iowa uh, is going to have to win this game. I agree with Mark totally. I mean, if the defense you know plays poorly like they did against Wisconsin, there's there's probably no chance. But yeah. I think the offense is going to still have to do enough. Yeah, I think the magic number is twenty one, um, and I think uh, uh, running the ball. That's uh, it sounds easy, and that's what I wrote about for Friday too. Is uh, Nebraska. Um, when their when its opponent is run committed, has not been very good against the run. They've just faced a lot of teams that are like Purdue and Maryland and uh, Fresno State and Wyoming that are just throwing the ball, trying to throw the ball all over the place and uh, um, not succeeding. So I think I think Iowa runs the ball, um, has to run the ball, and yep. uh, push Wadley and Daniels toward that one thousand mark. Yeah, I think that uh, we get a lot of the things that we've talked about. I think we get that defensive performance. It's a lot closer to Michigan. Um, I think this game comes down to the the, the Wadley and Westerkamp matchup. Um, Akram Wadley has been dynamic against really good defenses. He's going to have to do that again against a pretty good Nebraska defense. Mark and I talked about this on Monday. The one thing that scares me about this Nebraska offense is Jordan Westerkamp in the slot because he's extremely quick. I mean, he's a he's an Edelman type of receiver. The guy finds ways to get open, and they're going to get him the ball, and that Hawkeye defense is built around having a linebacker on him. So that scares me um, to keep an eye on Westerkamp. I do buy that Tommy Armstrong is maybe a little bit more hobbled than, uh, than, than Mark wants to believe. Maybe he has to sit in the pocket a little bit more, and the Hawks are able to get an interception or two Maybe you get something freaky that happens in the special teams. My prediction for this game is Hawkeyes 28-24. Wow. Okay. That's high scoring. It is going to be high scoring. Lock it in, Mark. 
You okay. tell me, man. You've been the guy that we've almost deferred to on these uh, predictions, and you told me on Monday that you think uh, Illinois or Nebraska wins this game. Yeah, I'm sticking with that. I think uh, this is a good. This is a really good team. I saw them play up at Wisconsin, uh, and they really gave them everything they could handle up there. Came back. They're, they're the first team. Uh, what am I saying? They're the number one team in the nation in fourth quarter scoring margin, uh, which oh tells me that they're they're pretty mentally tough, and they're and they're they've been tested a little bit. Uh, they're converting 47% of their third downs. So that's incredibly wow, efficient. That is. Um, I think that offensive line is young, but getting better. <laughs> they can run the ball too now. I mean, it's not, they're not, they're pretty balanced offensively. Mm-hmm. And I just don't sure Iowa's offense can keep up with that, barring a defensive you know, touchdown or some special team, something. And Iowa does have a big advantage in special teams, especially in the punt game here. But I'm saying 14 10 Nebraska. Chad? Wow, low scoring, man. Yeah, I think it's going to be low scoring. Okay. Well, I've got Iowa 21-17. There we go. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about, Chad. <laughs> uh, I do think uh, I do think the defense is going to do enough, and I think uh, Ron Caluzzi is going to be a big factor in this game. He's got two years ago Iowa's punter could not keep it away from the – Kenny Bell? Was that his name? No, uh, Pearsonell. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, that's um, right, that's right. And he yeah. ran that – that, 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 he's still there. And so uh, they've got – a. I'm sure he's going to be kicking away from him. Um, it's incredible. He's only had seven punts returned all year That's, against him. That's a great stat, isn't it? That is incredible. Yeah. He, he has been attempted returns. And Mark, I remember when we were uh, we had John and and Chris was asking you about what's going to happen next year with that punting game. And yeah, uh, I think I I like what uh, Ferentz's plan was for 2016. Find a, a grad transfer. find a grad transfer that wants to come in. And are, are you already scouting the re- other teams? Uh, so I can there? I can start if they need anybody me to the Sun Belt or listen my uh, my reputation with uh, scouting in this state is impeccable, <laughs> Emmert. So there's nothing I like more than going and uh, contacting I was not aware of that okay. contacting high school kids and asking them how much they'd love to be an Iowa Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Kaluzi could be uh, a really big factor again in this yeah. game, like he has been really the last two weeks. So uh, that's. Uh, I don't like to think of a game early in the week and think of how big of a factor the, the punter can be. But with the way the last couple of weeks have gone, I can understand where you're going with that, Chad. I, mean, I don't like that. It is like one of Iowa's clearest advantages in this game. Uh, Nebraska, obviously, they had the tragedy in the offseason, but they had a yeah. freshman punter who has not been good. Uh, that's uh, that's something to keep an eye on. You guys are both going to head over to uh, uh, to the game on Friday, right? So neither one of you have to make the, the trek to Destin. That would be horrible this time of year. <laughs> Well, you know, this game is always going to mean something. So uh, we're we're kind of focused on football um, with our resources here to, to finish the season. But uh, big game, eight and four, maybe the Holiday Bowl. If Iowa wins, if they lose, yep. probably Holiday or Music City. Well, uh, maybe that's where we'll start next week because we'll have a much better idea what that bowl picture is going to look like. Obviously, right. the Hawks aren't going to be playing in that Big Ten title game. So uh, we'll know. A lot is going to depend on if the Big Ten happens to sneak two teams into the college football playoff, and we'll know if that's going to happen or has a chance of happening on Saturday also. Crazy week of college football. Go Hawks!